Uh, hello, and welcome to episode 39 of Friends of the Show. I am Stephen W. Skinner, and this is the podcast where I talk with some of the funniest and nicest people I know. They are the friends of the show. This week's friend is Darren Springer at Darren D. Springer on Twitter. Now, Darren and I have a lovely chat about his growing up in a small town, his achievements in higher education, and he candidly opens up about some past relationships. But thank you to everyone who sent a question for Darren. He really had fun with the answers. Listen for that. And follow FOTS Pod and send a question for a future guest. Now it's Friends of the Show, episode 39 with Darren Springer. Uh, you can never quarantine the past. Pavement. Gold sounds. pavement would it surprise you to know it's our first pavement quote so good pick all right (laughs) and welcome to the podcast darren thanks for having me on awesome so for the listeners darren is a very funny and nice comedian from toronto whom i met uh, around the toronto comedy scene back in several years ago uh for darren Loves comedy. He does very funny writing. I'm talking about tweets, hilarious Facebook status updates, which I love, and also great articles published on CBC Comedy. Check him out. Uh, he also has uh, stand-up comedy, as he does. He's a very funny comedian. Um, he's done a podcast and also appeared on a podcast that just got a mention in the AV Club. So very cool and very happy to have him joining me for this episode. Thanks, Darren. Thanks for having me. I, I should say that uh, podcast was mentioned in Split Cider, uh, but uh, I, so I hate to start Jeez, off. Jeez, oh man, I already messed up. <laughs> That's all right. You know, I mean, it's the uh, same difference. It's a good. It's good to get mentioned wherever you get mentioned. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. I'll take either one. So yeah. everyone, go check out Split Cider. So let's begin. Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's get into your past. This is the WTF moment? Like, who are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, so what? So uh, well, just uh, yeah, like where um, you're from, where you, how you grow up. Let's let's lead in. Give the give a bit of a backstory, so that when we begin your story, people uh, have some sense of of what you're about. Well, I'm from uh, Glenboro, Manitoba. It's uh, a village, uh, technically. Uh, it's uh, 700 people. So obviously, my childhood was uh, a little dull, just in the sense that there wasn't much to do. My kind of my whole world was uh, school, and then like my parents' grocery store, and obviously home, and then like uh, you know the hockey rink and the library and the movie theater. And that was pretty much my whole life. Like that was kind of my whole world. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, probably I got into comedy or developed a sense of humor just uh, out of. Uh, a sense of uh, boredom, <laughs> lack of anything else uh, to <laughs> Nothing do. going on, super small town. You have those yeah, and I, the hot spots. And, and I was, exactly, and I wasn't huge into snowmobiling or uh, or whatever, or, or curling. Or uh, I mean, I played hockey. I wasn't uh, very good at it. So, yeah, I sort of had to find my own fun a lot of the time. So, yeah, ultimately, like I've heard it said that, like, usually – People 
like you're, I guess, become comedians just out of the sense of like either uh, not having a happy childhood or just having like a, a bored childhood. And so, yeah, I was fairly bored a lot of the time and had to seek out my own fun and didn't have a whole lot of options as far as joining clubs or whatever. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's better than, yeah, that bored, bored, boredom into comedy is way better than, you know, just like a dysfunctional family into comedy or whatever, right. or sad childhood. I mean, you know, my family is probably as, uh, I mean, it's pretty good, but I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I mean, I had, uh, <laughs> I was not uh, the happiest child. Uh, it was on it the was spectrum more, of dysfunction. It, it was teetering, yeah, teetering, but yeah, it was probably more, more boredom. Like it was, uh, you know, just a... I would say it was an okay childhood, but like it wasn't as if I grew up uh, in, um, you know, the Hamptons or something. I mean, you know, we had our struggles, but yeah, it was more like just. Kind of, it, was it was a seven out of ten child. <laughs> Nothing uh, out of the ordinary to report. Yeah. Well, um. Yeah. So when did you come to Ontario in Toronto? Uh, was it right after school, like high school or university? Did you do any post sec? Well. Yeah, I did. I mean, I was lived, like I, I grew up in Glenroe, and then I moved to Winnipeg um, after high school. The big city, <laughs> the big, the big city. Yeah, U of Manitoba. Yeah, so uh, I went to the U of M, got an English degree and uh, a master's degree actually. In Whoa! English. Congratulations. That's really yeah. cool. I did not know that. Thanks. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'll clearly putting it to good use. You're a master um, of the language. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, that's something I try to downplay because I feel like it makes me potentially sound smarter than I am. <laughs> I don't want to get I don't want to get people's hopes up, but um, you don't want people really you know, ragging on your typos. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I I don't make typos. I I know I no no I'm sorry for <laughs> throwing that accusation out there. You don't. I don't mean to uh, be on the defensive here, but uh, mainly that's true. my I have never it's just seen the a sense t- of like I'm not as well read as I could be. It's All right, like, right. Oh yeah, I haven't read that whole swath of uh, of literature or that whole era, even though being a master of English would uh, seem to suggest that I had. So. All right. Well, let's get into it. What haven't you read? <laughs> what haven't you oh, read God. that you want well, that geez, you think man. that you should have read? Um. Well, I mean, just your uh, top top few. <laughs> uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole like I you know Milton. Like I haven't read any Paradise Lost. I haven't. Uh, well, I mean, I haven't read much of the Bible, which is kind of like foundational yep, for. That's a big one. Yeah, for Western literature, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I haven't read much. I mean, really, anything pre twentieth century is a bit of a blind spot. I mean, I might know, like, I've read a fair bit of Shakespeare because I've taken a Shakespeare course and stuff. But uh, yeah, I would say anything, you know, uh, romantic. Like I, you know, I know the basics, but then anything before that, before at least the eighteenth century, it's a bit. Half hazard for me. <laughs> it's a bit hazy. What's your it's favorite? Uh, what's your favorite Shakespeare? Um, well, I, um, I would have to say if I had to pick one, I would probably have to go. Oh, I suppose Hamlet. If I had to, that's a classic one. answer. It's great. I mean, it's yeah. Just, but then I would love. To, yeah, it is classic in the sense good. of like you know I read the four that everyone reads in high school, and then mm. I took a course in lesser known Shakespeare. So mm. like, but uh, so there's a whole, so like, I don't know much. I don't know. King Lear. Well, that's another thing I should read. King Lear, you know? <laughs> yeah. Put it on the list. Put it on the list. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, I uh, I think I would say Othello. I like that one a lot. Oh, a gypsy? I haven't read. Great. Well, no, I have read Othello. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of great machinations going on in that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all right, cool. So then you, uh, after university, you made your way to the East? Well, what happened was I got my master's, should have been a little over a decade ago, and uh, then I got into the PhD program in English at Queens uh, in Kingston. For the listener, yeah. that's a fancy one. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, it's pretty fancy. I mean, it's, I guess. it's it, like... There was a time... There's a time when it called itself the Harvard of the North. Did it? Which, uh, Did they? Yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, I tell you, I checked those. Uh, it used to be it was somewhere in the top uh, 100 or so of the, if, on the sort of global rankings of, uh, of schools. Yeah, it's up there. Uh, post that back at the academic schools. But, yeah, I think it's fallen off now. I don't know exactly what's happened. But, yeah, it's uh, you, it, it's really not the Harvard of the North anymore. I mean, no, no offense <laughs> to anyone going there right now. But, is it like uh, is it the Brandeis of the North? Is it the like what is it, what how do we equate this? I don't know. Maybe. Is it the maybe uh, it's like just the, you'd have to pick compare it to just like a good state school or something if you were gonna do compare it to US schools. Like I don't it's certainly not doesn't seem Ivy League uh, equivalent anymore. Alright. So it's like an yeah. NYU <laughs> uh, level now. That that might be a stretch too, yeah. I don't know. Oh my goodness. Shout out to all the Queens listeners. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's uh, just like just keep at it just whatever it's 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 a university degree it's a university <laughs> degree and it yeah it's still good it's i count it yeah. all right very cool so uh yeah so then phd yeah well i uh i did four years of it uh basically like, the nice thing about queens is that they fund their uh grad students so i, I basically got paid to go to school like i you part of the package is being a, a teaching assistant, so I, I did that, and you got paid for that, and then on top of that, they give you funding uh, additionally. So yeah, I uh, basically spent four years working as a TA, taking courses in my first year, and then like after that, trying to figure out what I was going to write a thesis on, which I did not end up figuring out. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where you kind of get in your you, you know you're passionate about literature, but then um, I'm just one of those people who go through the system and then just doesn't land on that one thing that they want to write a book length project about. Um, I knew like I, you know, American literature, probably 20th century is my interest. But yeah, as far as that one thing I wanted to focus on, I uh, couldn't land on it. Uh, and I know a few people in my year and you know, the kind of the same thing happened to them. And then the other people I know uh, who I'm still friends with are teaching and you know, they're, they're doing great. Uh, but yeah, but from what I've heard, uh, you know, it's it's still a bit of a it can be a bit of a struggle. Like uh, I don't know many who have tenure track positions or who are you know secure in that way. Like it's you kind of have to renew your contract yearly, and you know it's often not much money if you're a sessional instructor. So dang, but so, yeah. yeah. So that track was yeah. like uh, I don't know. You just kind of didn't want to go that way, right? Yeah, it just didn't. I just felt like it uh, wasn't. I wasn't cut out for it, and it just wasn't for me. And uh, yeah, I uh, I just had started thinking more and more about doing comedy, and uh, I just did various things while I was in Kingston. Like um, I would, uh, well, I mean, I, I started tweeting, I guess. Uh, but then I also started uh, listening to a lot of comedy podcasts, like uh, Comedy Bang Bang, mm, Comedy Bing Bong. 
called yeah. Hang on, man. Called Comedy <laughs> Death Ray Radio. Oh wow, you were uh, old school. Yeah, that's the Origies. Yeah, yeah, and so and stuff like the best show. Uh, so uh, and I yeah just started uh, trying to. You know, I had a writing more comedy, so I had yeah a couple of humor pieces published. And uh, I actually published my own zine, which I my own oh, humor zine. Very cool. What was that called? Which I, it was called Inspirational Decency, nice. uh, and uh, it was basically just like a bunch of like little pieces that I wrote and decided to. Uh, and when I say published, I literally mean like just printed out and <laughs> stapled together, and uh, I left a bunch of them just for free at this uh, the local bookstore in Kingston called Bumble Idea, and. Uh, I did a bit of a launch there as well. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's so, fun. You had a zine uh, launch. So I done things. Yeah. 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 So I did little, I did little comedy things in town here and there. Um, nothing really performance wise for the most part, but, and so yeah, then that gave me the idea. Like I, around that time I heard that Humber had a, uh, a comedy program. And so I thought, well, that might be a good uh, way to try my hand at that and see what kind of career I can, come up with the you know in that particular realm so yeah that's what led me to toronto i after my fourth year was done at queens i uh, decided to uh pack up and move here so you still wanted to stay in school <laughs> just comedy school i guess so yeah, yeah. Just, I, it seemed like the it seemed like an easy way to because i'd wanted to do sketch originally i you know oh, stand-up okay. was not something i'd thought of much but i thought well it just seems like a good way to meet people to do that with uh, mm-hmm. And then once I started, uh, I still did some sketch, but stand up became a bit more of a prominent thing. So I started mm. doing that a bit more. That's interesting that you sort of switched from sketch to stand up. Um, what mm. what were sort of your uh, sketch influences, and then what made you switch over to stand up? Is just you just gravitated towards it? Yeah, well, I guess initially, like sketch wise, I mean, obviously, I growing up with like kids in the hall and uh, SNL mm-hmm. and uh, Mr. Show and the sort of the, the usual suspects. And, uh, and then when you, the thing about Humber is like you have to, like they have classes in every kind of aspect. So you'll have stand up and sketch and uh, improv classes and all of that. And so uh, when I started uh, trying stand up mainly for class and then um, ultimately just at various open mics, I found that, yeah, I just really liked it. And so I just kept doing that a bit more. And, uh, yeah, I guess that was kind of my main thing for a while. I mean, I still did, I ended up doing sketch with people that I went to school with, but, um, yeah, it wasn't the main thing that I thought it might be. Yeah. That, that just kind of fell into that, uh, just through practice and, and necessity. Pretty cool. So let's get into it. Who were some of your classmates? Anybody that we'd know? Well, uh, any one in the Toronto comedy scene, or uh, who hangs around at least, uh, might know Ryan Dillon. Oh yeah, a very yeah. funny kid. Just perhaps roommate for a couple years actually, and who I did sketch with. And uh, he's in LA right now. He works as a writing assistant, and he writes for uh, shows there. Like he's written for Man Seeking Woman and Shits Creek. Yeah, and other other shows that I haven't come out yet even. So oh, cool. He's doing. Great. Yeah, Ryan Dillon. Uh-huh. Shout out. Yeah, uh, Selby Nixon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who, uh, he and I are both part of the Osney Comedy Collective that put on shows every Monday at the Osnington. Great venue. Uh, Everyone check it out if you're in and around Toronto. Comedy at the Osnington. It's great. Yes, it goes great. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Beyond that, I mean, my buddy Matt, who I did sketch with for a little while, and then uh, Matt Caldwell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Shout out. I should mention his last name. Why not? Yeah, yeah we can do that. Uh, and then Kyle. Yeah, and then Kyle Andrews, who does a lot of stand up in the city. He was in my year too. Nice. Uh, ben Boschman. Oh, uh, there we go. Now we're talking. He dropped out before the second year, but uh, he's currently <laughs> on Kim's Convenience. Yes, he's uh, on the, the CBC hit show, Kim's Convenience. That's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, he uh, he was an alum, alum uh, during his first year anyway. And, uh, yeah, there are a bunch of others, yeah, who I, whose names escape me. Uh, who, uh, and then a bunch of other people, obviously, who have not done comedy since graduating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, there's always, there's always those folks, too, right? Those are the... I mean, it happens. It just happens. It does, yeah. Well, right. I mean, you know, I I got an English degree, and I'm not teaching English or really doing anything involved with it. So, I mean, perfect example right there. There you go. <laughs> All right, so that just about brings us up to modern day times, right? How long ago did you graduate? A few years ago? Gra- graduated 2013, so almost five years ago now. All right. And uh, since then, yeah, I've just done more stand-up, although I've uh, fallen off on that a bit more. Uh, lately, uh, uh, and I've kind of focused more on writing stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, the last few years, just basically writing. I tried to, you know, my hand at improv and done some sketch. I was in a uh, troupe with uh, a few uh, of my classmates. What was the troupe and, called? Uh, yeah. I love to hear what the troupe names are. <laughs> Well, I was in, while I was in school, I was in this troop called Daddy's Precious Children. Okay. Uh, and then that morphed into a smaller group called uh, Swimsuit Issues. All right. And, and I was doing some sketch with my buddy Matt. Yeah, I guess it would have been last year or so, and that would have, and we were called uh, Double Judo. All right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've also I was uh, doing improv for a while with a very funny comedian named Jordan Brown, and she and uh, our duo was called Teenage Turtles. <laughs> that's a good one so yeah uh wacky names abound in my life i guess i mean that's what improv's all about <laughs> the wacky so it's names. all about yeah yeah it's about it's names that uh yeah we are truly embarrassing to say out loud uh <laughs> if you're in an improv or sketch troupe and you're not completely humiliated to tell your relatives the name of your troupe uh then you're not doing it right yeah that's true improv people have the best resumes <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I do find like yeah, a lot of like um, a lot of sketch troupe names and stuff. I think the best kind of sketch troupe name is one that's like it's not completely embarrassing. It also does not include it does not include any references to laughing or giggling <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And also, it's not the kind of name that would be a band name. So like, if you think of like Picnic Face, right? That's a perfect example because that would be a terrible band name. Mm-hmm. But it's a great sketch troupe name, and it's not the kind of name where it's like. Oh God! Oh, you in a troop? Yeah. Oh, what's it, what's it called? Oh, brother. No, it's uh, yeah. That that's, that's not an embarrassing name, certainly. So. Yep, that's a great one. All right. Well, I think that uh, brings us up to your story. Very and, much covered, yeah. And the story that you have provided for us that you will t- share with us in a moment is titled "Whiplash Walkout: The Chris Rock Story." <laughs> That's right. All right, hit us with this tale. Okay, so uh, this would have been September or October of 2014. Uh, Humber uh, put on 
Humber College, uh, where I did my that comedy degree. They put on a, a print humor conference in New York at the People's Improv Theater. And uh, so I attended this with a few other alumni. And uh, it would have been the day after the conference. I stayed on a couple days after. Uh, I attended the show Whiplash at UCB Theater in, in uh, Chelsea in Manhattan. Famous it show. Was me. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's a long-running stand-up show. I think the Leo Allen, who is this kind of really kind of legendary New York like comedy writer and and, uh, and stand-up, uh, he typically is hosted it. Although he wasn't hosting it uh, this particular night, I think I guess he was in LA doing. You know, working there. Anyway, so uh, it's basically a show where uh, veteran comedians can stop in and do some new material. So uh, I attended the show with my friend Danny Dillbow, who I mentioned earlier, and uh, uh, this other guy, uh, Jared Laxer, who I went to Humber with and who now does stand up in the, the New York, New Jersey area. And uh, yeah, he was from there originally and went back after school. So anyway, we attend the show. And uh, Aparna Nancherla is a uh, guest hosting. Cool. And so about, yeah, so about a couple of comedians in, she announces, uh, all right, so your next comedian, uh, he's, uh, he's got a new movie coming out called Top Five. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Chris Rock. Woo! And uh, yeah, and I had, we'd heard vague rumblings that a famous comedian was going to be stopping by, but we didn't know who. So uh, this is great. And we were... We were like the third row. Like we were pretty close to the stage. Nice. Uh, so yeah, this is this is pretty exciting. You can imagine how excited everyone in the room was. They're they're, they're losing it, and we're like, this is awesome. This is going to be so fun. So a couple minutes in, and Chris Rock starts out. He's like, all right, well, host an SNL next week. Not sure what I'm going to talk about. Uh, they got Jim Carrey this week, but I think I can take him. <laughs> so he's like. He sets out, and um, what I'd heard about him, the way he does, he tries new material, is that um, he doesn't do it with all the Chris Rock energy and uh, pizzazz that you would see on a on a special. Mm-hmm. He really doesn't give, yeah, he really didn't give it much in the way of like a forceful delivery. It's very laid back, very kind of laconic. Uh, he just wants to see if the joke itself is fundamentally sound and and if it works on its own. And then he kind of adds, you know, the nuances of his delivery to it after that. <laughs> yeah. So he's very slow in his delivery. He's very relaxed. Uh, so he starts off with this joke about how, you know, I, you know, whenever I want to give a homeless person money, I feel good about myself, but then I'll realize what a piece of shit I really am. So <laughs> this is like, wow, this is interesting. It's uh, it's a kind of, it, it's kind of dark, but it was like, wow, this is, uh, yeah, this is, seems like it's going somewhere interesting. And then he, as he starts this joke, he notices a woman in like the front row filming him. And he uh, says, without any real anger, uh, he's like, whoa, don't film me, bitch. Uh, and then people are like, whoa. And he's like, oh, it's, look, okay, well, sorry I called you, bitch, but you, you were filming me, so just don't, don't film me. And uh, all right, so she puts her phone away no you know, no harm, no foul, I guess. And so uh, he starts back into the joke, and then 30 seconds later he sees a guy in the front row who has his phone up in front of him, and he says, well, 
what did I just say? Don't film me. The guy's like, oh, it wasn't. And so Chris Rock goes, all right, forget it. So he puts the microphone down on the stool that's on stage, and he walks off. And it happened so quickly that um, all the air is just completely taken out of the room. So you can imagine, like, just how heightened everyone's excitement was and just how quickly all that evaporated. Yeah, one joke Uh, in, and all of a sudden, your great story. (laughs) Yeah, it was was stunning. It was, uh, yeah, none of us could quite believe what happened. And at one point, the guy who uh, had his phone up in front of him uh, just kind of said out loud, should I leave? <laughs> and uh, no one said yes, but that that, was the, clearly that was the... <laughs> that was the vibe from everyone's face. <laughs> yeah, and so he ended up leaving. And um, But yeah, before he left, uh, I mean, a part on Charlie had to come out. And she's like, she looks at him and says, oh no, why did you do that? <laughs> and so she kind of had to talk everyone through it, like... Um, Man, everyone just felt like yeah, uh, disappointment. You know, like we were back in high school, and we were like, yeah, we were back in high school, and we like um, acted up in, in front of an assembly. Uh, you know, like uh, even though <laughs> like everybody gets in trouble now. <laughs> yeah, we all kind of felt like yeah. I mean, certainly, I I felt weirdly guilty, even though I hadn't done anything. But yeah, yeah. So she had to talk everyone through it. Like, okay, well, here's what happened. Here's maybe why in the future, like, this is a good. The learning experience for you guys as an audience and audience members. Yeah, you just you kind of have to just live in the moment and don't worry about capturing this. Prosperity. Yeah, I think that's the real posture. lesson. Just uh, enjoy the yeah. moment, right? Be in the moment. Like Chris rocks on stage. You don't need you don't need the video of that. When are you gonna watch that? Yeah, you just need to know exactly. that he was on stage. And the memory will be the your your video. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And the thing is, you know, from Chris Rock's point of view, I mean, this is brand new material. Maybe he doesn't want it. I mean, he obviously doesn't want it put up on YouTube or something yet. Uh, so, yeah, he had every right to be upset and to leave. I mean, he's just trying to, uh, you know, preserve his act, really, and, like, just preserve himself as as a comedian from, like, letting potentially – half-baked material get out there and have it reflect badly on him. So, yeah. And so, yeah. So, basically, she kind of talked us through that and said, okay, so uh, that was unfortunate that happened. But, hey, what do you say we do the rest of the show and we'll have fun? And finally, yeah, the morale that managed to get back, uh, managed to be restored and people, you know, we managed to soldier on and, I was going to say, the very next comedian was this British comedian named Josie Wong, who you might have heard of. And uh, so she comes out and she's like, well, this is just a great opportunity for me. Uh, and so, yeah, everyone, that obviously got a pretty big pop. And, you know, now that that had been acknowledged, people, it was almost yes. like, okay, we can continue now. And look, it, uh, we've acknowledged what's happened and finally we can have the good time we thought we were going to have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say shout yeah, out to was- Aparna for handling that. She knew that we had to talk it through to get to the to get to the light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> from that dark moment. So yeah, it's just a, a knowledgeable MC move, I'd say. Yeah, it was yeah, it was very well handled, and uh, yeah, couldn't have handled it better. 
but yeah, it was just one of those things where like, um, you know, it's a, it's a great story, uh, <laughs> in a, in a way, but also it's like, I still kind of would have preferred <laughs> yeah. saying a full Chris rock set, you know, mm-hmm, especially with brand new um, material. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, uh, you know, that might've ended up in his SNL monologue. I will say, uh, when I watched SNL, uh, two weeks later, his, uh, <laughs> bit about feeling like a, a piece of shit, even though he gives a homeless man money, did not end, did not make it in. Okay. Uh, so he, yeah, I guess maybe he tested that elsewhere and decided like, nah, that's not, that's not right. Didn't make the cut. Did not make the cut. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, I saw top five when it came out and, uh, I'm still trying to figure out what I actually thought. <laughs> parts of it were fun and parts of it were insane. So it was a weird, weird experience. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, it was a little surreal. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's still a hell of a story. And, uh, it was, I guess it was cool to see him, even if it was just for two minutes. Yeah. I guess that's, that's another moral of the story. Like just be happy that you had that experience. You got to see him from three rows back mm-hmm. for a couple uh, of Yeah. But, but still, I mean, it's not the same experience as seeing a full Chris Rock theater show or something but uh, yeah that's true well the theater show probably gets the emphasis <laughs> they get that polish they get that polish material i would think so yeah yeah um so yeah that's something i might still like to do one day is because uh, yeah i've got certain comics i still haven't seen live who uh i would like to and obviously he's right up there so bucket list all right who we got who are your top three that you haven't seen oh geez well let me think this would be him and then Oh God! Yeah, I've seen a bunch. I mean, I've seen I've managed to see people like Todd Berry, and uh, I've seen you know Maria Bamford. So, yeah, I guess I've seen a lot of my faves. Yeah. Um, I, I guess maybe. Hmm. I mean, I guess maybe he's the the one. Maybe he's like the he's the it white whale. Wow! Yeah, he is the he's one. The, yeah, put him on the list. All right. All right. All right. Cool. Well, thank you very much for sharing that great tale of intrigue. <laughs> And whoa, no and now we get into the tweets. So you have selected a couple of tweets for us, and I will read the first one. For sale, the Hemingway baby shoes joke format used a billion times. Uh, yeah. Um, Suck well, it, yeah, I just, joke I formats. Just, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of, I mean, I I did not uh, go through my entire tweet, Twitter archive. Certainly. Um, I think it's probably <laughs> safe to say that, like, um, for I guess I, I remember a few years ago, like, there was this thing where um, if you could request your tweets, a list of all of your tweets from Twitter, and they would send it to you um, in, like, a long URL or and also in, like, uh, a spreadsheet. Like, uh, yeah, Excel format. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. It's your archive. Uh, basically, yeah. And so, yeah, I looked at them and I was like, oh, man, a lot of these are really bad. <laughs> I thought I was being really funny at the time because I started Twitter like a little bit almost nine years ago now. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of like the first sort of humor writing, I say, we ever did consistently. And so, yeah, obviously, as you can imagine, you know, that's not very good. Some of them became my first stand-up jokes just because I was like, oh, I'll just try these. Uh, so, yeah, these are all recent tweets which I, uh, so you just scrolled I, I back, <laughs> scrolled back through the TL and picked a few choice cuts for a few months. Yeah. On so anyway, the this, podcast. with that having been said, 
probably funnier than my earlier stuff. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just the Hemingway baby shoes joke. I mean, you see it like a lot on Twitter now, and it's uh, it was just one of those things where like I would maybe see that kind of a joke with that format once or twice every now and then. And then suddenly it became really ubiquitous for whatever reason. It's just one of those Twitter things where everyone seizes on something and it becomes uh, just unavoidable. And yeah. I, I felt kind of bad because a lot of those jokes are funny. And I know like I mentioned Ben Boschman and he, I think he tweeted one very recently, like just before, <laughs> just before I did that. Uh-oh. And so I'm, so hopefully he didn't think I was bashing him because uh, his was funny. Uh, and you know a lot of them were, but it, I was just seeing so many of them. It's like, man. So I just it just inspired me to do that. Uh, I hope. Uh, yeah, a lot of my tweets I worry just make me seem like a bit more of a crank or a misanthrope than I really am. <laughs> I think it's Although a funny a uh, comedic voice that you have. It's a very unique uh, sort of a little bit bordering on absurd, uh, but yeah, definitely a little curmudgeonly. Yeah, I would say, yeah, absurd, more absurd for the most part than curmudgeon. Yeah, every now and then it's like, eh, all right, maybe I just wasn't in a great mood when I tweeted that. But yeah, uh, yeah. so that was the, the story behind behind that one. Pretty good. And we should say Ben Boschman is on Twitter at Ben Bosch, B-E-A-U-C-H. Check him out. I do follow him. He's very, he's very good at Twitter. He's very yeah. funny, yes. All right. Um, so you got that second one you want to hit us with that? The second one, let's see. Uh, this is from November 5th of last year. My son loves daylight savings because it means he and his friends get an extra hour to beat me in the face with Toronto Marley's mini sticks. <laughs> A lot of great references. Toronto Marley's, the local uh, uh, affiliate <laughs> of the Toronto Maple mm-hmm. Leafs, and mini sticks, like a ubiquitous Canadian toy. Everyone had mini sticks growing up. Yeah, when I was like, a kid, uh, <laughs> I had a Spokane Chiefs mini sticks. Uh, Spokane Chiefs. But uh, like, I'm from Manitoba, and so the the more the most uh, I guess the closest sort of uh, junior hockey team were were the Brandon Wheat Kings. Oh yeah, which are in the, they're in the Western Hockey League, which is the major sort of junior league for all the Western provinces, so Manitoba, and then west to BC, and then a few uh, American Pacific Northwest teams as well so like and one of them is Spokane uh and I yeah I just went to a game once uh a Brandon Weekings game and they didn't have any Weekings sticks left so I just chose that uh, randomly and and my friends who I was at the game with were like, were like uh, they suck why did you <laughs> I don't know you just want uh, the souvenir yeah but that inspired uh, a lot of uh fun uh, bouts of living room hockey between my sister and I like our family had a piano in the living room and so uh, we would uh, basically use the the piano, uh, the one you know one leg and then the other leg as the, that was the goal. Oh, the perfect so built-in mini sticks net. Absolutely, and then we would grab a huge wad of Kleenex and uh, wrap tape around it, and then that was your ball. And oh, uh, homemade ball. We away. Yeah, we'd wallow the hours on Sunday afternoons uh, playing Kleenex tape uh, hockey. <laughs> Nice. Classic Canadian pastime, I'm sure. A lot of listeners can relate. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little slice of Canadiana for you. Yeah, I've never been to a Marley's game, which is too bad because the uh, Humber campus, the Humber Lakeshore campus, is right uh, around the corner from the facility where the Toronto Marley's, or the Maple, oh, I'm sorry, the Leafs practice there. Right. And the Marley's have their, their home games there. 
Is that the Rico Coliseum? Or it, that's right. It's the, yeah, the Rico, Rico Coliseum. Coliseum. There yeah. we go. <laughs> out in Etobicoke, yeah. Google Maps it if you're so, yeah, from I, out of town. <laughs> that's right. It's quite a. I've never been in. It's just on the uh, edge of the highway. Um, Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great yeah, story. And I, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what inspired that. I mean, obviously, daylight savings inspired it. Uh, other than that. Uh, I, I do have a lot of tweets where I pretend that I have either <laughs> a son or a daughter or yeah uh, or or a wife, a wife that I really have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your family, you you and your family have a very estranged relationship. Mm, yeah, and if you were to take all of my tweets about my family uh, and try to sort of uh, match them up or uh, corroborate them, it would be like, okay, yeah, you're. <laughs> Family history doesn't make any sense. Some continuity issues. Yeah, uh, yeah. So your your wife, your your kids just died in this tweet, uh, and then suddenly they're alive three months later. So yeah, I, there's not a whole lot of. Uh, I'm not exactly building a world uh, <laughs> with all my tweets. Oh uh, well, very good. All right, now let's get to the third tweet that you have selected, and it it, <laughs> uh, it is. Oh, do you want to read it? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, I can read it. Uh, yeah. uh, it says, this is from November 26th. Uh, it says, I keep at least 12 condoms in my Goof Troop fanny pack at all times. <laughs> Do you have a Goof Troop fanny pack? I don't, and I never did. Uh, I assume they existed, right? They, I think so. We need to get on eBay. Fanny, <clears throat> yeah, fanny packs were all the rage uh the early 90s, and uh, you know, Goof Troop was a popular show. Uh, it would have uh, been pretty unwise of the... Uh, people at Disney to not have made Goof Troop fanny packs, you know, they would have flown off the shelves. If, uh, yeah, so th- that must have been a thing. I uh, think so. And yeah, I just, uh, I like the notion of, yeah, I just like the juxtaposition of something kind of adult and responsible with uh, a Goof Troop fanny pack, you know? <laughs> Love it. Love the idea of a Goof, goof Troop fanny pack. Great. Yeah, stocked with condoms. Uh, <laughs> And at least 12. I guess that's... Is that how they yeah. come in a pack? It's like a full pack is what you're trying to say. Like oh, out man, of the box, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's been a while. I don't even, I might not even know anymore. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's super prepared. So, yeah, I just... Uh, Always be prepared, I just yeah. like some... And it is great to think of someone who being very, like, sex positive and also very responsible, uh, who also has a Goof Troop fanny pack. Serious into Goof Troop. <laughs> yeah, you can be. You can. You don't necessarily have to put away childish things when you become an adult. Uh, yeah, well, you, you can. Know. Yeah, repurpose things. I mean, if you're using them, yeah, yeah, get extra use out of them. All right, thank you for those great tweets, and everyone should be following Darren on Twitter. I don't know if I've said your handle yet, but it is at Darren D Springer. All right, used to That's be right. used to be Flint Beverage. Remember those days? Remember the olden? Yeah, that was your that first was my one. Fir- yeah. That was my first handle. Uh, it was when I first joined Twitter. I was watching a lot of The Sopranos. I was going through all the episodes on DVD, and I noticed that uh, in one episode, an actor who had played uh, an FBI agent, I don't think he even had a speaking role, uh, he was named Flint Beverage. What? <laughs> and, so, and so I thought that was pretty amazing, and so that became my Twitter handle. That's and, good. I had no idea what the um, reasoning behind Flint Beverage was, and I always wondered. 
Yeah, I was in. He, uh, yeah, I, I checked on his IMDb a few times. Uh, I think he's still acting. I think he's like the actor's name is Flint Beverage. Flint Beverage. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I never heard from him about you know saying, "Hey, can I please have this handle?" So I don't know if he's even on Twitter or or if he just put his middle initial in. Oh he man, <laughs> that, that'd be so cool if you just took the handle and then he had to contact you. I was like, "Can I have my handle?" It's me, Flint Beveridge from The Sopranos. If he had done that, I would have absolutely let him have it. I mean, yeah, uh, for an autographed Flint Beveridge uh, headshot. Oh, yeah, I'm no fool. I mean, <laughs> you know, then I, I flip that for <laughs> it's an investment stuff. in your future. Right yeah. <laughs> Guy who played FBI agent number three uh, on a season six episode of The Sopranos. Well, very cool. All right, now we get into the picks from others. And your first pick is from great popular tweeter Connor O'Malley at Connor with an E underscore O'Malley. And yeah, well, yeah, so anyone who doesn't know about him, he uh, he, uh, he used to appear regularly on Late Night with Seth Meyers. Uh, I think he used to write for them as well. And uh, he's made a lot of like uh, videos on his own. He had a really funny web series with uh, this guy, Joe Parra, called uh, How to Make It in USA, where Joe Parra played himself as a, as a stand-up, and Connor O'Malley played uh, his agent, who was completely insane. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's really... Uh, yeah, and so he's done a little like, online projects and stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah, and his videos and so, are super sweet. crazy. Uh, everyone got to go check yeah. some of those out. Just yeah, Google some of those videos right now because they're nuts. Also, <laughs> yeah, and he was huge on Vine when that was a thing. Yeah, really big on Vine. R.I.P. He did this thing on Vine where he would like uh, go up to rich guys on the street, like they'd just be in their cars or whatever, and just basically scream at them. <laughs> things like uh, yeah, just basically offering to like sacrifice sacrifice himself uh, to make them more money or <laughs> stuff like yeah. that. He's like, how do I get money? <laughs> Yeah, and so his tweets are the kind of tweets where there's no, like, after a while on Twitter, like, you just get sick of jokes because there's a while where, you know, everyone suddenly, you know, you'd see, like, the, the typical setup punchline jokes, whereas uh, his tweets are just funny things to say. There's no setup. <laughs> yeah. The setup is the joke, and then the joke is also the joke. Uh, so this is a tweet from New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it says, at, at midnight, my 42-year-old roommate Brian is going to drown me in the L.A. River. <laughs> uh, and then I should say he followed that up after midnight by tweeting, Brian ended up picking up a shift at Maggiano's last night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this explains why he didn't drown in the L.A. River. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I, I think one of the reasons I like that is to just the uh, – uh, just the sheer casualness with which he brings up the fact that he's going to die. And also the fact that it sounds like his 42-year-old roommate, Brian, is going to do him a favor. Almost <laughs> as if he, he asked yeah. him to do this. <laughs> yeah. And also I love the fact that he's 42 years old. I don't know what it is about. You know, it's, it's funnier than being 40 years old. Certainly funnier than being you know yeah and uh, it's all it's like points. inconsequential information to the tweet it, it's yeah, yeah completely it irrelevant has, <laughs> it has no bearing on the fact that he's going to drown him but uh yeah the fact that he's 42 years old uh yeah somehow it's just the kind of detail that 
it makes it that much that much funnier. That's right. So yeah, I I guess I'm. It's just that's the kind of tweet that I tend to appreciate uh, the most is just uh, the kind where it's just sort of an absurdity, but but not completely. Like it's still somehow grounded in reality. It's grounded in reality. It's still out of left field. It's kind of unexpected. That's Connor O'Malley, everybody. Indeed, yeah. All right, so uh, you got two more tweets here that we can go through. This one, I hadn't heard of this person, Dan Lakata. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. He's a Chicago comedian. Uh, he, uh, I hadn't heard of him until fairly recently. Uh, I just saw, you know, saw someone retweeted him, and I thought it was really funny, so I started following him. I know he does stand up in Chicago, and uh, I think he's he's got some stuff online too. Uh, and his his tweets are he kind of mines the same territory as a Conor O'Malley in a sense, in this in the sense that he's see similarly absurd, uh, but his tweets tend to be uh, less angry. Like uh, Conor O'Malley, his Twitter voice. He likes to take on like the voice often of like a completely insane, angry guy who um, is living a nightmarish life. Uh, whereas <laughs> Dan Lakata is a tends to be a bit more cheerful than that. Like uh, even his darker tweets are <laughs> like his persona seems almost more innocent. It's almost like just a completely insane twelve-year-old wrote them. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and this tweet is really funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, he. he uh, I should say he it's I hope I'm capturing uh, his use of grammar, which is, again, seems to almost come from like a an insane 12 year old. Uh, <laughs> so there's no capitalization to speak of or whatever. But anyway, uh, so this tweet uh, reads is from November 28th. I just want to say for the record that if Mr. Bean ever came up to me with his goofy ass bullshit, I would lay his scrawny ass out. You think I'm going to let some dumbass weirdo ruin a wine tasting for me? Get the fuck out. <laughs> um, Classic. That's a great one. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, like I grew up with Mr. Bean, as a lot of uh, Canadians did, I bet, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, obviously his main persona is of this like lovable goofball who, you know, would never hurt anyone. And so, <laughs> but he's all—he's always in like a class or like a wine tasting. That's always the perfect uh, scenario, Mister Bean scenario. Absolutely, yeah. So it's like a scenario where he can get in the most trouble. <laughs> but then, like, it's—it's it's typically just he's only affecting himself. So the the notion of someone looking at Mister Bean as a threat that would need to be taken out <laughs> uh, is so funny to me. Uh, and yeah, the fact that he he shows <laughs> wine tasting for the tweet, I thought was the perfect. Uh, choice yeah that was perfect yeah uh so yeah follow down the car that's that's the main that's what you're gonna get that's what you're gonna get uh and his handle is at dan licata sucks that's l-i-c-a-t-a all right well, also i want to i want to point out oh, you that tweet up uh two weeks later with a tweet that read as much as being pissed me off I will say Johnny English is funny as hell, though. Three <laughs> smiling emojis, like Mr. Bean with a gun. <laughs> so that's so, also yeah. my favorite thing that uh, some people will do on Twitter is like follow up a tweet that they tweeted like months before with added information that is completely unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to recycle the life of a tweet. Mm-hmm. All right, now we get to your final and third selection that you have selected for us. 
Yeah. And it is from uh, one of my favorites, James Hartnett. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I figured uh, I, I should have some sort of local flavor in this yes, list. Yes, and I appreciate that. And James Hartnett is one of my favorite uh, local comedians, just so very funny. Uh, <laughs> and everyone should be following him at James Hartnett. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this tweet is from November 13th. I knew it was a mistake to wear shorts to father's birthday party. My cousins are already tittering about it, and grandma frowned at me. Father will not be pleased. <laughs> father will a, not be pleased. Father will not be pleased. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's had a few tweets like that where he'll, he'll tweet in the voice of this weird, um, like, almost like vaguely religious, like uh, emotionally repressed person. <laughs> Like just oddly formal, like father, grand, grandma. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He's. I've seen a few tweets from him where, uh, yeah, he'll he'll tweet in that particular voice, and uh, yeah, I just I love it because even like you just suggest like a whole world beyond that tweet where it's like, what is this speaker's <laughs> yeah. life like? like? What are like, they wearing? Something drab, I bet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just the fact that. <laughs> It's his father's birthday party, so you'd think you could wear whatever you want. Like, uh, you know, he he doesn't make any mention of it being a formal <laughs> party, uh, but he's still, uh, he still uh, feels weird guilt over wearing <laughs> shorts. Very remorseful over his wardrobe choice for father's birthday party. <laughs> and also, how many cousins does he have? Why does everyone care that he wears wore shorts? Should, should he have worn, what should he have worn instead? Pants or even <laughs> yes, something more slacks. formal? Definitely. Uh, the fact that he's his grandma frowned at, frowning at him is something that <laughs> that's like the worst. Set him into a tizzy. Yeah, grandma frowned at me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's what you're gonna the kind of thing you're gonna get from. James and Hartnett. if you've seen James live, uh, this makes it so much more funny because you can hear it in his voice or one of his crazy characters' uh, voices, uh, which he does Absolutely, so yeah. well. Can't recommend him enough, James Hartnett. Love that guy. All right. Hey, can uh, I can I oh, add yes. an honorable mention? Oh yeah, honorable mention. I just I, from even more of a local flavor. Uh, he uh, he doesn't tweet as too much anymore. He does tweet every now and then, but like uh, Tim Gilbert, who is yes. uh, another lap Sabbath guy, um, he had a tweet. I mean, I couldn't find it when I was looking. Like I, this is from a few years ago. It's from I think he posted it New Year's Eve four years ago. So I couldn't actually find the <laughs> tweet itself. But I, I know it from heart. This was probably a month and a half after Paul Walker died. Okay. And so on New Year's Eve of that particular year, uh, Tim Gilbert uh, tweeted, I'm surprised to see so many people going out and having fun tonight. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only one who truly cared about Paul Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great because there had been so many Paul Walker jokes. Uh, and, you know, that, not that there's anything wrong with that but a lot of them were just like oh, i guess he went too fast and too furious and i thought that was probably well it was easily the best paul walker joke i'd seen uh just because yeah i mean it's it's not even a mockery of paul walker per se but it's a, just it's of a the way satirical of, take on the paul walker memification yeah and just the way that like after a celebrity dies like there's that sort of almost performative concern where it's like wow, this guy was my favorite actor. And it's like, wow, really? (laughs) How do I make a celebrity death about me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, this is, and that was sort of the ultimate way to do that. 
was like <laughs> the notion of a guy staying home alone on New Year's Eve because he's too distraught over Paul Walker dying from yeah, months was, earlier. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's another that's a classic I wanted to bring up. Follow Tim Gilbert to <clears throat> at uh, Gilbert of, Tim. I believe so. Yeah, he doesn't like I said he. Uh, He'll tweet in bursts. You got to catch him. Yeah, you got to catch him on a right uh, day. And sometimes, like those, the award ceremonies, he'll uh, click in for that. So you know, absolutely, yeah, it's worth the wait. (laughs) If you're watching the Oscars or the Grammys or whatever, he's the guy to follow uh, when you're doing that. Yeah, he keeps it hella real (laughs) and angry. Talk about curmudgeonly online, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But yeah. But more more funny than than anything. Right, yes. Um, so definitely everyone check him out and an honorable mention indeed. All right, Darren, now we get into the question submitted via Twitter. And remember to follow at FOTS Pod and send a question for a future guest. And the first question comes from friend of the show, Pigeon Fancier at Isabel Zatun. Ah. And a very, very funny person. Very, very nice person. Yes, she's very nice and funny, and everyone should check out her episode. She came oh, yeah. to my house. We did oh. it live in my house. It was great. Wow. Great having her. Cool. So, oh, thank you for the questions, Isabel. And she asks Number one, what is it like knowing me in real life? Is it the sweet blessing most would expect? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I, uh, the thing is, I, I don't, uh, since I like I, I don't do that much stand up anymore, so I don't see her out obviously as uh, as much as I would have at one point. But yeah, I would say it absolutely is. Yeah, she's a very a very nice person, and yes, everyone should follow her on Twitter. She's a very uh, stylish person too. Always yes. very well dressed. So yes, I would say should, follow uh, her on Instagram as well. Oh uh, yes, for that and other reasons. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, follow her on Instagram. She has her show uh, Hack Couture. Her monthly right. comedy show that incorporates fashion and comedy. And, yes, very stylish individual indeed. So, yes, Isabel, it is a sweet blessing knowing you online and IRL. Now, her yes. second question for you, Darren. Considering how many celebrity wives you've had, can you provide some marriage advice to us plebs? Is it plebs or plebs? Um, <laughs> it's plebs. Well, I mean, it's right. plebs. Yeah, plebs. Marriage advice. Well, I mean, okay, so I've had five celebrity wives. <laughs> All right, list them. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, the most obvious one, Calista Flockhart. Yeah, that's the one that everybody knows. Yeah, it um, it was that was a pretty short burst. It was only a couple years, but highly publicized. Highly publicized. I guess uh, I should say, if you are going to marry a celebrity, like just just know, like before go you go in that. Uh, they they're not yours like they you will never matter as much to them as the public does and that's something that i wasn't prepared for with calista because i i mean i married her towards uh, you know the sort of fever pitch of uh, uh, ally mcbeal's dancing baby (laughs) the dancing baby thing yeah so right at the fever pitch of that of that show's popularity and i was too young to get married i was 18 (laughs) So That's yeah, I think that that was another element that really I, I I should have waited a few more years to marry anyone, let alone a huge TV star. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, so and, and so a lot of resentment built because she was obviously very busy and didn't have time to devote to me. And you know, I'm 18, I'm really insecure. So that was just ooh, that was a bad idea. 
Wild so days. there's that. And then, uh, of course, number two, uh, you know, of course, everyone remembers the when I was married to Mary Louise Parker. Mary Louise uh, Parker. That was, that was three years. That one was a little better. That one ended just because we just found we didn't have much in common. Um, I was a big fan of uh, DC hardcore, and she was a bigger fan of LA hardcore. Okay. So, yeah, so that was a pretty irreconcilable difference. We actually listed that in our divorce proceedings, and the judge was like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, and then number three was Eve, the rapper Eve. Oh, the rapper Eve. Yeah, that was five years. That was uh, that was good. Whatever yeah, happened yeah. to her? She had those paw tattoos like on her And she still does. Sternum? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I assume as much. I haven't asked for proof, <laughs> but uh, I, I believe she still does. Uh, and that one ended, uh, I would say the main thing I learned from that was just, uh, you know, the hip hop world, um, is so competitive and I probably shouldn't have put out a competing mixtape. Uh, <laughs> I dropped it the same day as her. No. I mean, and, uh, it sold great. It, it was, it, and the thing is it kind of overshadowed her and I think there was some jealousy on her part. I mean, yeah, that'll drive a wedge. Mm-hmm. It really did. <laughs> that's unfortunate. Uh, so yeah, the adv- that's what I learned from that. It's just you know have separate lives. Like don't you can't if two rappers. I just don't think can can coexist. Well, I love that you're getting great uh, lessons out of each of these. Like, yeah, one the lesson two, learned per marriage. Yeah, the other two were like Nia Vardalos. Uh, oh, yeah, Greek, Greek wedding. Thing. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, actually, the inspiration for my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> right. And uh, that one didn't work just because uh, she uh, cheated on me. What? She cheated on me with, uh, yeah, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks? Yeah, the Hollywood's golden boy Tom Hanks. Hanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, she's begged me not to say that in public, but uh, yeah, you, this is a scoop. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I shouldn't censor myself for her. I mean. Uh, no, I'm leaving yeah, it so, in. I'm looking at my engineer. Yeah. We're leaving that in. And then the fifth, of course, yes. was uh, my very well, – actually, uh, the marriage I'm in right now to uh, Shelley Long. Shelley yeah. Long, beloved yeah. comedic actress. But, and she – the great thing about Shelley is that, look, she I went through the whole thing where she left Cheers a little sooner than most people thought she would have. So, yeah, she she had obviously had a rocky career after that. And so she's – by the time I met her – She'd lived, uh, she'd been through a lot. She'd experienced a lot of, uh, you know, regret and uh, some ups and downs. So, uh, yeah, so she was ready to really just find someone who wasn't going to play games. <laughs> and I remember the first time I met her, I marched right up to her and I said, would it, would you, would it bother you if I dropped a mixtape? <laughs> Again said, with the mixtapes. And, like, oh. and she was like, oh, like a cassette tape of songs for me? That would, no, that would be lovely. And that that's when I knew it was going to work because uh, clearly she was not up on her hip-hop terminology. Wow. And it, uh, and it has worked out to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, she, you know, she has the odd acting gig and uh, we just, uh, we stay in. We watch a lot of PBS and uh, we just uh, make a lot of grilled fish. And yeah, we go... Uh, yeah, we play tennis with Ted Danson. And... <laughs> Just a simple life. Ah, Sam and mm-hmm. Diane. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, very good. Thank you. For that was sharing. a very long answer. <laughs> that was a great answer. Thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, Isabel has one last question. Oh, greedy. 
Why won't you fight me? <laughs> um, well, I, uh, if you were talking a physical fight, I can think of a few reasons. <laughs> uh, the chief among them being A, uh, she is a woman, and B, uh, she would probably... She could probably beat me up fairly easily. I, uh, we did get into uh, yeah. an actual fight. Uh, as far as like a kind of some kind of verbal fight or or like a Twitter fight, <laughs> she has so many followers, and I have so few that uh, you know. I just feel like I would be swarmed. Yeah, they'd both be lopsided, no matter what the fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you very much to Isabel for sending those great questions. And we keep moving on. We got another question here from Llama in a Tux at Llama in a Tux. And he asks, how much of your buried gold have you invested in cryptocurrency? Uh, that'd be none. Uh, I actually, uh, and I think the recent cryptocurrency crash uh, has... Uh, vindicated me <laughs> yes good decision it just seemed like a uh, a fad uh much like actual paper currency uh i <laughs> never invest in that either still a fad yep i i pay for everything with gold uh it's made my life pretty difficult but uh i believe that when the paper system finally collapses <laughs> along with vindicated again yeah it's a, it's it's a bit of a longer vindication process than with the cryptocurrency but I believe I will emerge victorious from my uh, war with uh, the Bills. It's a long, long con game, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much, Llama, for that question. And we got another question. It comes from friend of the show, Timmy at the Timmy Toes. And he asks, what is the rotating stick thing on the blinds called? I mean, that's a great question. It's actually called the uh, Schlondorf. And can you spell that for us? S-C-H-L-O-R-N-D-O-R-F-F. It's named after the German director Volker Schlondorf, who uh, directed uh, such movies as The Tin Drum. Uh, yeah, he, he invented it. He was just uh, sick of having to actually take the blinds themselves and turn them down. Each one. When he went to sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. Each so individual one. Isn't there some way that I can just do them all in one go? And so he thought, okay. A string. Okay, I'll attach a string running along all of them. So, oh, but then how do I work the string? Well, he, that's when he came up with the <laughs> He stick. invented it, and they will name this after me. That's right. That's what he shouted. And uh, they did. It's so yeah, a, a Schoendorf. So, yeah, bring that up the uh, next time you're at a party and uh, just watch uh, everyone flock to you, uh, wondering, <laughs> hey, who's this guy who uh, secret, knows so much? Uh, about- yeah, secret that one away for your next trivia night. And thank you very much, Timmy, for the great question. And we got a couple more questions here before we wrap it up. And this one is from friend of the show, Nick Flanagan. And he asks, is your last name working out for you? (laughs) Is this some sort of inside joke? (laughs) No, it's not. It's It's just a funny question. (laughs) It's not one Nick has ever shared with me. Uh, It might be an inside joke just with himself. Maybe. Uh, but how's my yeah my last name? Uh, maybe he's. I would imagine he's probably uh, referring to the fact that I share a last name with a certain daytime talk show host. Oh, we can hear the chanting and, already. Yeah, and uh, if you're wondering, hey, uh, 
have uh, has anyone with a no sense of humor ever asked you if you're related? To <laughs> uh, the answer is yes. Yes, uh, it is a common question among people who you know are not funny but think they probably could be. <laughs> okay, uh, and so yeah, we're also, setting the record I, straight: no relation, no relation. And so uh, I certainly, uh, I mean, I haven't received any particular benefits from it other than hearing that joke uh, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Now we get to the final question, and it is from my wife, and she wants to know what's the best meal you've ever had. Huh? Jeez, the best meal I've ever had. I don't know. I mean, well, probably. I don't know if I have a specific meal, but I can tell you that you know, some of my favorite dining memories have been, uh, you know, just uh, I'm like a you know. The holidays with my family, uh, you know, we kind of have like civic meals or like we'll have like the turkey and then mashed potatoes and then, you know, stuffing. And then my mom will sometimes make this thing it's like a Norwegian thing, I guess, because I'm part Norwegian. Oh, cool. Some heritage called, food. Yeah, it was Kleasel. Uh, it's called Kleasel. <laughs> okay. Uh, basically what that is, it's, uh, it's a weird yet very tasty dish where it's like, it would be bacon and bits of lard, really. Yep, I'm in. <laughs> uh, it's incredibly bad for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it's also, and it's not something I've ever encountered anywhere other than when my mom would make it. Okay. It would just be reserved for special occasions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was thinking maybe I could try, because, I mean, you know, it's not the kind of thing you want to eat much, you know. It's not an everyday you, thing. <laughs> you, you don't want it as a staple, for obvious reasons, but like, yeah, maybe in the next, I don't know, maybe for Easter or something. Uh, yeah, looking forward it's to it. It's fun to try making. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a good cook. You can never be as good as when she made it, but uh, but yeah, uh, it's something that, so yeah, I just, so probably Kweasel. anytime my mom has made Kweasel. Kweasel is the answer. Yeah. Family yeah. dinners with Kweasel. Well, thank you very much, Darren. You have answered all the questions put to you for the podcast today. And we thank you for it. All right, and now we can wrap it up, and we will promote your things. So uh, don't forget about Ossington Comedy every Monday at 9 p.m. at the Ossington? Uh, 8 p.m. At 8 uh, this, p.m. Yeah. When is this? Uh, if, uh, if you don't mind me asking. It'll be going in February. Oh, Okay. Because uh, I, I, I was going to say I had one coming up, a show coming up tomorrow, but uh, oh, it's yeah. past, so it's don't. It's in the past. Uh, this It'll happen tomorrow right now, but when you, this comes out, it will have happened. That's how time works. All right, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, check it out. Um, some of Toronto's best comedians performing in one of the best venues for comedy in the city and the spot of my very first and one of few performances of open mic comedy. Ooh. Actually, it wasn't an open mic. It was the comedy at the Ossington show. I should note that. But, it, right. but it was still my first time. So <laughs> open mic level, let's say. <laughs> okay, right. Right. So, yeah, great venue. Love that spot. Uh, everyone go check it out. And uh, I should also mention... Everyone wants to. Everyone should read your writing on the CBC Comedy. There's one uh, article that I have a link to in the show notes, and it is entitled "National Gaslighters Association Announces It Doesn't Exist and You're Being Crazy." 
That's right. Yeah. That's just uh, a hilarious article. And if you know about the talk, all the talk about gaslighting recently, uh, it's very topical and it's very funny. So I recommend it. And it, there's a link in the show notes. So I think Thanks, that's yeah. it. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool to see people's reactions to that and just be like, uh, hey, Dolores, does this remind you of any admins we know? And it's like, oh, all right. I guess uh, <laughs> it's nice to see that people can relate to something you've written. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then also I have uh, I wrote something recently for this site called Unoriginal, which my friend uh, Laura Lebo is the editor of, and uh, it's a humor site that's very it's very funny. And so I had a piece up there where I just uh, talked about three celebrities who we lost in 2017, but uh, who are not real, who I made up. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So if everyone wants to check out Darren's writing, you can do so at those links. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. If there's nothing else, I will play the theme and we'll say our goodbyes. Um, I guess I will add a, you know, I recorded a stand-up EP a while ago. Yeah, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. Called The Yacht. The Yacht. Pay what you can. Check it out. (laughs) Thanks, Darren. Thank you. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Darren. You may, of course... Check him out on Twitter at Darren D. Springer. Um, and if you've come this far, maybe you're willing to come a bit further and follow at FOTS Pod. Please send a question for a future guest. I am at Skinner Steven. Visit StevenWSkinner.com for all the past episodes and subscribe to get a new episode every week. Thank you to Ruby Coast for the music. Thank you, Kyle Davidson, for the theme. And thank you for listening. Have a great one.